myself a better specimen of a human being. And if you want to put it psychologically, I'm trying to qualitatively improve my personality. And that is the purpose of spiritual life. And that qualitative improvement of your personality does not move in circles. It moves in a straight line. It stops when you reach your goal. So, I again repeat, I'm very honored, very privileged to interact with you all. Now, today, I've selected a subject which I think will be very easily understandable to you. And what is that subject? In short, we would like to understand, according to Swamiji's understanding, what did he think of his matchless master? I'll start with an incident in their life, a real life incident. Girish Chandra Ghosh was a, was a very senior, intensely devoted dramatist in Calcutta at that time and devoted to Guru Maharaj, Sri Ramakrishna. After his passing away, when the disciples were all together in that austere state in Baranagar Mott, Girish Babu came and met all of them and he used to finance them, support them, and said, Noren, you are the fittest man to write a biography of Sri Ramakrishna because nobody knows him as well as you do. It is said at the last phase of his life for a year or two, whenever Swamiji used to come to visit Sri Ramakrishna, Sri Ramakrishna somehow or other used to send all the disciples with a direct spiritual instruction to continue their spiritual disciplines in various corners of the temple garden. And when all of them were gone, he used to latch up his room and had very confidential chat for hours together with Swamiji. And later on, when Mahapurush Maharaj Swami Shivanandaji was asked, Sir, some of you say Sri Ramakrishna is a mother to you, Sri Ramakrishna is a father to you, Sri Ramakrishna is a teacher to you. Could you tell us what was the relationship between Sri Ramakrishna and Narendranath? And he spoke of this incident. He said, none of us knew what transpired together for hours over and over again every day between the two. Please don't ask me. Later on in life we find Swamiji wrote a poem where he says, I am a bonded slave of yours 
not only for this life, for lives together. He says, I am your slave. But here in United States, I know an incident, a picnic was held in the outdoor and Gurumaj's picture was pinned on a pine tree or a tree. And after Swamiji cooked, and you know what he cooked, <laughs> in a middle because it was very hot with chili. Anyway, the devotee said, before we partake it, why don't you offer it to Guru Maharaj? Oh, you want to have his prasad, is it it? Good enough. He goes with a plate of food, stands in front of Guru Maharaj and said, My dear friend, eat something, otherwise your children will not eat at par. The relationship between Narendranath and Guru Maharaj Sri Ramakrishna fluctuated according to his mood, from a bonded slave to one with him at par. So, I'm only quoting these incidents to assure you that what Girish Ghosh said, that Naren, you are the fittest man to write a biography. And you know what his reply was at that time? Please don't ask me do so. Like a novice culture, he tries to create an image of Shiva and ends up with making a face of a monkey. That is my worth. I can't do that, let others do. That was what he said when he was Narendranath in Baranagar Mat. Later on, this Swami Narendranath, as desired by Sri Ramakrishna, became what he was. We all know about it. And it dawned on to him that posterity will never excuse him if he doesn't put in words his concept and appreciation of that matchless, excellent spiritual personality known as Sri Ramakrishna. He felt within himself that history or posterity will not excuse him. And that's a fact of life. So, instead of extolling Sri Ramakrishna, he only, uh, we find only a booklet, My Master, where only the unselfish, divine grace of Sri Ramakrishna has been highlighted. And how they were all bound down by that immeasurable deep love. So what happens, before he passes away, goaded by this feeling that I do not want history or posterity to blame me for not putting on record my views of my matchless master. So in a very, very guarded manner, he composed the Aratrika Stotra and the Stava in prayer of his master. 
Of that stotra, those Sanskrit verses, the last two lines is known as pranama mantra. That is, at the conclusion of that prayer, you bow down and offer yourself at his feet. <laughs> I'll be very happy if you give me a little time so that I can interpret to you according to my poor understanding and capacity, what does it mean? The mantra goes as such. It is in Sanskrit. I assure you, I will translate it to you word to word so that the intention of the author is made clear to you. What is that pranam mantra? Om Sthapakaya cha dharmasya sarva dharma swarupine avatar varishthaya ramakrishnaya te namaha. The running translation is O dear Lord Sri Ramakrishna, I bow down to thee. I humble myself in your presence. Why? because you are the establisher of religion. Dharmasya sthapaka, establisher of religious values. Let it stop there. What is the second word he used? Sarva dharma swarupini. You are the essence of all denomination religions that is practiced by the whole humankind. Sarva. Sarva means all-inclusive. There's nothing excluded. And you, sir, lived your life in such a manner that you merged with the essence of each and every practicing religion. <coughs> this is a literal translation of the second and the third was avatara varishthaya. You are most excellent. You are the best of all avatars that had incarnated in point of time. Therefore, dear Lord, I bow down to, to thee. I, with all humility, take shelter under your care. Now, dears, the scholars will contest this statement. The scholars, those who have had an in-depth study of these spiritual ideas. Why? Dharma is a concept in India and elsewhere is eternal. It is like the inhalation, exhalation of the Supreme Lord being the God Lord of the universe, inseparable, for, inseparable for, from him, and it is eternal. If dharma is eternal, how could you address Ramakrishna as an establisher of dharma? Isn't it a contradiction? 
if dharma is an eternal existence at par with the creator of this universe how could it be established it's always there this is the first question second question is quite easy i do understand that all religions try to establish an unshakable unbreakable relationship with the divine by the human and you followed almost all those principles disciplines and you achieved the goal as prescribed by that denominational religion and it is in biography for the last, for 12 concentrated years he experimented with various avenues of reaching oneness with the divine well that is not so complicated the last one is he says of all the incarnations that the world has seen and blessed by of those incarnations dear sir you are the best good better best and that is a big question mark was swami vivekananda that ultra rational spiritual scientist if you allow me that word that swami vivekananda did he lose his sense of propriety that out of sheer love for his master he did not know what he is speaking how could he say did he disrespect did he denigrate the previous avatars by calling this avatar the best <coughs> and that gives us a little scary feeling that swami ji probably whatever he may say in the deep intense devotion to his guru he overstepped the sense of propriety so dear this pranam mantra has to be understood in the same way as the author wrote it now in our study the method of study of indian scriptures there are three ways of studying one is shabda and its artha the word and its dictionary meaning when those words are knit together in a sentence it has a separate meaning and in your english language there's a word say for instance you're reading the editorial of a very famous paper and somebody tells you read it and try to read in between the lines whereby you will be exposed to the intention of the author author has no other way but to choose words arrange the words to convey a meaning to you if you go by dictionary meaning you are not trying to benefit from 
what the author wants you to understand. Therefore, it is said, read between the lines. You'll understand the import of that editorial written by the editor. Reading in between lines. In our Sanskrit methodology of studying scriptures, there are three words. Word-to-word -word meaning is shavda artha. Shavda is a word. Next is a sentence. Sentence is a bakya. Bakyata, meaning of the sentence. <coughs> and the last is most important and suggestive, lakshartha. What is laksha? What is the intention of the author? If you focus your attention with the intention of the author, duly marshaled and supported and enforced by facts of life, then the conflict between word-to-word -word meaning and the intended meaning of the, of the author will disappear. So we should now try to understand this, sent, this shloka of Swamiji, what did he mean by dharmasya sthapaka? Let us first concentrate on that. Literally, it means establisher of religion. Wait a minute. The word religion, unfortunately, is not a total, complete translation of the ideas contained in the word dharma. Let me explain to you, dears, have patience with me. But I can assure you it will be very interesting. Dharma is dharate iti dharma. What does it mean? It means, say for instance, it's a basket full of ideas. Holding on to which dharate, holding on to which this most evolved biological creature known as a human protects himself or herself from degrading into a usual biological creature. Holding on to which those basket full of, according to Swami Vivekananda's statement, man-making character-building ideas. Holding on to which making it a part and parcel of your thinking and your behaving. You prevent yourself of degrading yourself into an ordinary biological creature because you are aware is you are the most evolved specimen of a biological creature. Holding on to which dharate iti dharma. Dharma is that basket full of man-making character-building ideas, holding on to which you prevent yourself, protect yourself from degradation. This is one aspect of it. But you are still holding on to it. And what are you holding on? Man-making character-building education. Those are the basket full of ideas. Therefore, holding on to which, positively thinking, 
you try and manifest the divinity which is already within you. That is the concept of the word dharma. In a commonsensical point of view, it's a basket full of ideas or heaps of ideas, values, holding on to which you'd help yourself not to degrade. What does it mean in practice? It means we are all aware we have six propensities and five extremely useful faculties, four useful faculties, rationality, emotionality, ingenuity, and indomitable willpower. These are an asset to us. But being a biological creature, being incomplete in our understanding of our own true original nature, what happens? We sometimes become victims of our propensities. Desire, anger, greed, confused thinking, pride, vanity, arrogance, and jealousy, which degrades us. We are the most evolved, and that's why we have these four faculties, rationality, emotionality, ingenuity, and willpower. So make use of these four in such a manner Hold on to that basket full of man-making, character-building ideas which prevents you to degrade yourself. Be a victim of those propensities. And if you really hold on to it, you'll be able to manifest the potential divinity which is your true original nature and merge with it. This is the whole range of influence of dharma in our lives. Whether it's spiritual, whether it's mundane, make no difference as long as you are aware of the presence of the divine in your life. Now, let us see what was Swamiji's intention. If you have all studied a bit of Sri Ramakrishna's life, you will find his life was an endless spiritual quest. Having achieved the goal of a particular denomination, his thirst increased. It didn't quench. He wanted to say, to, he used to say to his Divine Mother, My dear Mother, I would like to see the Christians who are your children. How do they worship thee in the church? And he visited church to attend them out. So we find in his life that he has been able to establish a way of life. And that way of life is nothing else but rehabilitation of credibility, relevance, of spiritual values in a modern life. So when Swami used this word sthapaka, establisher, he didn't mean Sri Ramakrishna created something new. What he did was the lost veracity of spiritual life, lost validity of spiritual life,
lost the relevance of spiritual life in his life. And his life was a field of demonstration at par with material sciences. You see, there are two aspects of scientific pursuit, fundamental and applied or technical. Fundamentally, it was proved there is something in the principles of nature known as electricity. And the technologists, the technocrats, based on that fundamental principle, utilized it to make our life comfortable, convenient and enjoyable. So the attitude of a material scientist is, whatever we claim fundamentally to be true, we can demonstrate it, make it receptive to your sense organs, the perceptions. Can you prove the existence of God? You speak of God fundamentally. Can you prove him in a laboratory? Because they were unable to do so, spirituality and spiritual pursuit and everything was pushed in a corner as a sheer superstition. And that was what 18th century was facing. The advancement of industrial revolution, everything that India possessed from dawn of civilization was branded as superstition. But without dharma, the structure cannot survive. To revalidate the lost values, lost credibility, lost veracity of those eternal principles of life, Sri Ramakrishna converted his personality into a laboratory. And those who have lived with him, they lived with God and God lived with them. They were totally convinced that God doesn't live in cloud nine, he lives here. I've learned to identify him by my efforts. Sri Ramakrishna was a watershed to this understanding. God is, God can be realized, and this frail human being, through the process of what you think, so you become, process of being and becoming, evolves into the divine. So the word sthapaka here is not establishing something which was not available before. He established the credibility, the veracity, the viability of religious disciplines and values. That is why Swamiji had to use that word which can be misinterpreted according to the dictionary meaning, but we must try to expose ourselves to understand in keeping with the teachings of Sri Ramakrishna and the Holy Mother and Swamiji, what was Swamiji's intention, Lakshata. The intention was the life of Sri Ramakrishna 
is an epitome of rehabilitating the lost validity, lost veracity, lost relevance of dharma, which was pushed into a corner as if it is a superstition. Sri Ramakrishna was described from this point of view by Swamiji. The next word, Sarva Dharma Swarupa. Dears, let me be a bit elaborate, bear with me kindly. We know there are several practicing, vibrating, important religions amongst the whole human society. The Indian Upanishads or the analyzers, the rishis, knower of the truth, they thought to it, thought about it, and each of them on their onward journey recorded their experiences, starting from being observers of nature, the rishis of the Vedic ages. That deep, intelligent observation led to this irrefutable logical conclusion, if there is a create creation, there has to be creator. And the creator is much, much more large or much more capable, more energy than what he creates because he can create something else. He's not exhausted. So logically, they on their journey, based on robust common sense and irrefutable logic, they kept on recording their experiences and, excuse me, hundreds of them, if not thousands, the rishis and the bunis. And that compilation of those experiences is known as Vedas, divided into four parts. So, the word Veda means collection of the world of wisdom that humans can acquire and be one with it. So what happens, Buddhism rotates around the life, the teaching, and per personality of Lord Buddha. Christianity rotates around the life, teaching, and personality of Christ, Son of God, Incarnation. Shankara, Ramanuja, Muhammad, one after the other, they arrived in this scene at various points of time. And they spoke in a language that time society could understand. But time flows, world changes, human concepts change, and as I told you, there was an upheaval when the Industrial Revolution established itself. The position of faith and belief was totally shaken. 
So what happens? There are two branches of religion. One is personalized, rotating around the personality of a person. And the other is impersonal. Hundreds, if not thousands, have contributed to that world of wisdom known as Vedas. And to cut it short, those rishis, through their process based on robust common sense, irrefutable logic, establish that concept of spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Atman, the Brahman, the Ruhu of the Islam, the Torah of the Jews, Jina of the Jainas, Alaknirajana of the Sheikhs, Tao of Taoism, eternal principle. All these dear, apart from Hinduism, all these rotate around a personality and originates from the teaching of that person who is by his own right an incarnation of the divine and has been authorized to teach people or men in that time according to the language, conviction, conventions and traditions of the people who did understand. So impersonal dharma and personal dharma. Hinduism, though with thousands and thousands of concepts of gods and goddesses, but is an impersonal religion. And in short, I will tell you, why is it so? Not as a defense, but to understand what it is. The whole cosmos is a creation of the divine. We agree to that fact. And one science says, Christianity says, God made man in his own image. And the purpose of being born is to find your way back to your maker in heaven, to enjoy eternal peace with him in paradise. Ultimate goal is eternal peace. <coughs> Hindus say, you suffer from a bout of ignorance, misconception, misunderstanding. Why? You do not know who you are. And because of lack of knowledge, that void that is created in you, you misidentify yourself with this body-mind conflict. In essence, you are the soul, the spirit, the divine, Atman and Brahman. So you find that the goal of each and every religion speaks of the same ideal in different contexts, in different manners, methods, and accepting the traditions, conventions, and the language of that time society to make it understandable. Now time passes, 2,000 years have passed, and the society keeps on changing. So it needs someone to rehabilitate the lost value of dharma. 
that is what is known as the theory of incarnation avataravad that is he who created us has a watchful eye on us and when he shines because of our own stupidity ignorance misconception of ourselves we have created such a problem for ourselves we don't know how to come out of it and we look towards god and say oh god help me out he does help you out not individually universally so what happens in this advent of sri ramakrishna he was born with a mandate what was that mandate to find and reestablish harmony of all religions the highest common factor of all religion and their goal not the performance part of it not the ritualistic part of it but the idealistic part of it and that is why if you read sri ramakrishna's biography you will find having achieved his first desire of life to see the motherhood of the divine in a particular form he was blessed by that if you read the history of spiritual people you will find after this experience they are satiated they are happy to live in their own experience and it stops but in this person known as sri ramakrishna we find each and every experience creates an unquenchable thirst to study other man's point of view and according to romarola's language translated in english he says here is a wonderful excellent personality who in 12 years time took by storm the citadels of all practicing religions and with the authority at his command because he experienced it he proclaimed to the world jato mat tato pat as many religions so many are the paths religion is nothing else but a means to an end and the end is the awareness of eternal peace eternal tranquility and divine ecstatic joy when swami ji says sarva dharma swarupa swarupa means the essence what is the essence oneness with the divine either from the dualistic point of view dvaitavadam or vishishta dvaita point of view qualified monism or absolute monism advaitavad these are nothing else but phases of our evolutionary growth towards the ideal goal so where there is any scope of conflict Sri Ramakrishna's advent was to establish 
that each and every religion has produced saints and seers. It's nobody's exclusive property. Each and every religion produced that mighty souls. And each of them, if followed properly and directly, will reach to the same goal. Therefore, if he has created this world, and if he has saturated this world with his being, there's not a speck of space or iota of time where he is not. So, I develop a culture that is actually practiced and practicable spiritual discipline. Say, for instance, dear, I'll give you an example. Here is a watch. I am educated to such an extent I can read the time in this watch and nothing else. The beauty of this watch doesn't appeal to me, has no impact me. I am blind to that concept of beauty. You, you have a sense of aesthetics. You say, Swami, it's a wonderful watch, beautiful watch. I stare at you, what do you mean? Don't you read the time? He say, you say, Swami, I read the time and I appreciate the beauty. You have added another dimension of understanding this watch. The third person is a watchmaker. <laughs> he says, Swami, it's a beautiful watch and it is excellently done. I know in and out of its mechanism. It's wonderful, Swami. He has added another dimension to understand this object. This object is here. I see it from one dimension. You add another dimension of the beauty in it. Third puts in another dimension, he knows the mechanism of it. Fourth is a material scientist. He looks at it and says, I know how to read it. I appreciate its beauty. I have a nodding acquaintance of its mechanism, but more so, I know what materials, in what ratio, what alloy, what proportion has gone to make it. He has added another dimension to this object. And the fifth person is a physicist. He comes and says, all of you are right. Nobody is wrong according to your capacity to understand. But in essence, dear, listen to me. It is nothing else but energy and energy alone. <laughs> the smallest particle of matter, when exploded or imploded, shakes the world to its foundation. So, don't stop there. The fifth dimension is it is energy and energy alone. The fifth person have five dimensions uppermost in his mind, and none of this conflict with each other. And the sixth person is an Atmavit, knower of the self.
he knows everything in this world boils down to eternal isness isness of everything in the world that is the reality rest are all in the domain of name form qualities and utilitarian value so dears sri ramakrishna came to teach us that don't look into the outer crust focus your, your attention to the essential reality covered in appearance that is what is known as sarva dharma swarupa i as an enlightened human being so called well educated having heard to this example i try to develop this consciousness this alertness and awareness that according to the last word of spiritual wisdom there is not a speck of space not an iota of time where god is not so let me develop that fixed sixth dimension i see you i'm educated to see you to see your face your protector etc and all that your biodata has to say now i cultivate that eternal existence known as the spirit of the holy ghost known as the atman known as shunyam don't bother about names the essence is oneness of the universe and i try and cultivate to see the presence of that essential reality everywhere hidden behind name form qualities and utilitarian values this is why this impersonal religion dharma says boldly you love your dog very close to you most intimate to you please see he who resides essentially in you he resides essentially there don't love the dog for the dog's sake equate the presence of the divine there with the presence of the divine here you have started divineizing yourself this is what swami ji meant by the word sarva dharma swarupa oh dear lord you have broken all barriers of distinction and because of the distinction the strife between denominations by proving to the world by your own personality converting yourself into an experimental laboratory that the whole world is nothing else but the manifestation of the divine in millions and billions and infinite forms and names that is sri ramakrishna opened a gate which was closed for millenniums together to see the divine by proper culture by proper education the oneness of the whole cosmos and you are everywhere and i'll give you an example
from Swamiji's life. It is not only a dramatic statement. He spoke from his own experience of oneness. He was invited to a college in Lahore after he returned from the States. And the professor of mathematics was very, very educated in these scriptural ideas. He invited Swamiji and asked him to deliver a talk to the students and also to the academicians. And after it was all over, as usual, they were absolutely enamored. And that gentleman, Professor Sri Ram, that was his name. He, at that time, a wristwatch was very rare in India. He somehow managed to get one and present it to Swamiji. And having presented it formally, he asked Swamiji, please kindly let me have your wrist, I'll put it on you. The subject matter of Swamiji's talk was this concept of oneness. Swamiji very casually said, Ram, I will wear that watch in your wrist. You wear it in front of me. I will wear that watch. Oneness between that person and Swamiji was so concrete that that man was stunned and he wore it. And Swamiji says, remember, I am wearing it. This is the basis of multiplicity of various forms and figures except as a manifestation of the divine in Hindu lore. Let us move to the third. What does it say? Avatara Varishta. Avatara is an incarnation. I need not delve into it, why and how it is. Let us make it in time. Barishta. Barishta means the best specimen. It is very, very, very controversial. Does he mean Sri Ramakrishna is better than Jesus? Does he mean Ramakrishna is better than Krishna? In a way, you are denigrating them by saying so. A. B is, it is against Sri Ramakrishna's teachings. Why did Swamiji use this controversial word? Let us try to see from the point of view he used it. He had no other way but to. Before going further, let me quote a shloka from you, for you from the Upanishads. There to our utter surprise we find a realized soul. The quantum of wisdom and experience of realization is not divisible. It is total. So if you are a realized soul, you are. There is no classification there. But we find in the Upanishads, 
he says, allow me to recite that sloka and I'll translate it for you. Prano hi esha jas sarvabhutair vibhati. Vijanan vidyan bhavate nati vadi. Jah atma khrida atmarati kriyavan esha brahma vidam barishta. A person with these attitudes, a person of these convictions is supposed to be the best example of what a Brahmavit is. And Brahmavit is a Brahmavit. There's no comparative statement there. They are. But Swamiji says, of these people, Brahmavits, those who manifest these qualities, they are to be categorized as the best manifestation of a realized soul. Manifestation. What does it mean? I'll give you another example and you will enjoy and the question will be answered by the example. There is no classification amongst the realized souls. Either they are realized or they are not in totality. Then how does Upanishad say amongst those realized souls, this category is supposed to be the best? That means quantum of knowledge, quantum of experience available in Nirvikalpa Samadhi is the same uniform. Having achieved it, how do you utilize that? From social pattern of responsibility, social responsibility. Now I'll give you an example and it will be very clear. In India, even today probably in the remote villages, it was very common before. In remote villages, the villagers wanted to serve the mendicant monks who kept on roaming from place to place. They were not allowed to stay more than three nights at one place. So every village had a mutually community-wise contributed, had a small thatched hut. And the Swamis and the mendicant monks knew Somehow or other, we'll find such a heart. So one realized soul, walking down, saw that heart. He was mighty happy. He wanted to spend the night there and meditate. It was a custom of the village. The villagers were really alert. If they find somebody staying there, it was so-and-so's duty by roaster to feed the Swami. So the Swami came, he found a wonderful, neat, very safe corner. He put his bag and etc. etc. and went into meditation and went into Samadhi. And he was immersed in that inexplicable divine bliss. A lady comes with her dinner. He sees in meditation, makes a little noise here and there to draw his attention. Nothing worked. 
what can she do? She left the food and in a loud voice said, Reverend Sir, here is your dinner, enjoy yourself. She walked away. Who will listen? He's there. All the three days and three nights, he never communicated with anybody, but he took that food to maintain his body and soul together, and after third day, he passed away. A very, very admirable example of a Brahmagyani, a realized soul. Not at all interested in the world. He lives in a different world. That is what he represents. Few days later, a second Brahmagyani comes down the way. He sees that place. He settles down. And as usual, Another lady came, made a little noise. He was meditating. He woke up. Oh, my dear child, what can I do for you? Reverend sir, we have brought some food for you. Oh, you are so kind. You are so motherly. It's very kind of you. Please leave it there. I will eat it at my own time. The lady was totally satisfied. She left. He stayed there for three days and three nights and he interacted with that person. Interacted, how are you, how many children have you, what is your husband doing and this. All courteous questions as a social interaction. Why? He feels obliged that this lady has taken on her the trouble of feeding him. He is responsive. The first one was non-responsive. He lived in his own world. This person climbed down a little to interact with his benefactor. And he goes. The third Brahmavit comes down the way. As usual, the same routine. And he was called, Sir, I brought dinner for Oh, you have brought dinner for me. You have cooked for me. Do you want me to want to serve me and see I eat? Oh, it will be a great fortune, sir. Come, serve me. I'll eat in your presence. And he profusely thanks her. And she goes, totally happy and contented. This continued and he became warmer and warmer in human interaction. The third day, all of a sudden he hears a wail and a weeping from a nearby hut. Why are people wailing and weeping? What has happened? What has struck them? What makes them so sad? He could contain himself. He came out of the room and followed the noise and went and saw a widow had one single child and the child was bitten by a cobra and the child has died. So you could imagine what the mother's agony was like. And that's a Brahmavit, knower of the self, Atmagya, what did he do? He went, sat next to the lady 
and kept on comforting her that this is the way of life, my dear. It is all unpredictable. Be strong. And he did not go away after the third day. He continued to stay in the village. When the villagers were substantially comforted, took their permission to leave the village. All three are Brahmagyas, knowers of the self and the soul. But look at the distinct behavior pattern of the three. Now you please tell me whom you love most. <laughs> I'm sure all of us will say the third one. Why? He has digested the wisdom of oneness of the spirit. And he knows the spirit manifests in all forms. That wisdom, having assimilated and digested, is now being spread out as social welfare. Now, the Upanishads analyze a person having realized oneness of the universe through the concept of spirit, Holy Ghost, Atman, Brahman, Ru, or Sunyam, we are not bothered. A person has identified himself or herself with a true original nature where there is no gender difference. And he has assimilated it. He has got strong. And then he changes his behavior pattern to see God everywhere and serve everybody as an epitome of God. Now, dear, the distinction is not the quantum of realization. That is the same. How you utilize it is the quantum. Now look at Sri Ramakrishna's life and look at what he started in this world. A whole organization spread world over teaching people that we are all one, children of the divine, children of the immortal bliss, Amritasya Putra, made in the image of God. The language is different. But the goal desired to use that language to reach that goal is the same. Oneness of the universe. Taking that into account, dear, let us analyze what is the excellence of Guru Maharaj. Why Swamiji was forced to use such a highly controversial word? Let us see. If you look at the lives of incarnations through history, you will find two different aspects. One is, they intentionally came as celibates, bachelors, unmarried, to set the example of what renunciation is. Rama was married whereas Christ was not. Shankara was not, but Buddha was. Christ and Buddha and Shankara 
they belong to the same category and buddha showed the ultimate sense of renunciation by leaving behind his wife and newborn baby to set an example what renunciation is and some came with a divine consort and they rejected him look at the life of majanaki what a life of martyrdom she martyred herself to enhance the standing of his matchless master sri ramachandra as marjada purushottam ram an epitome of fair play justice equity and call what you want but to set an example today we cannot just say yes to the things that sri ramachandra committed by banishing majanaki over a bit to set an example of you have to be even handed equal fair play and all that now look at by comparison sri ramakrishna's life his mother thought that this madness about god has to be cured and the best medicine is to get him married and she ran here and there to find out a bride or a match and everybody rejected because by that time sri ramakrishna was notorious as a insane person who will marry their daughter to a bad man she was crestfallen and dejected sri ramakrishna tells him why are you running here and there and be refused every place why don't you go to the adjoining village ishwar mukherjee's daughter is here marked for years and it clicked let us cut it short mother came to dakshineshwar because at that time near not here in this country even in this country 200 years ago there were restrictions this mother of ours went to her parent and said what i am i am doing here i am told my husband is going mad insane my place is next to him to serve him to nurture him to nourish him why are you keeping me here take me along she was so stubborn that though it was against all that but they agreed and mother walked all the way from jayarambati to dakshinesh the first thing she heard was from that so called madman oh dear me you have arrived a little too late who will care for you my dear my mathuranath is dead the manager of the establishment who bore all expenses and met all demands of sri ramakrishna he said now mathur is not here who will look after you and me immediately mother's reaction was a man who is so considerate how can he be called mad what is that consideration from he saw in her the presence of the divine mother whom she prayed for a b is sri ramakrishna asked her why did you come here my dear all the way from the village 
have you come to establish your marital rights on me mother says far from it dear i have come to help you in your progress to spirituality i'll be here to help you stand by you and serve you sri ramakrishna was appeased satisfied there's no problem from that end later on one day holy mother asks him what do you think of me look at that they are at par with each other and sri ramakrishna without batting his eyelids he says the divine mother of the universe whom i worship as mother bhavatarini kali in the temple the physical mother of mine who gave me this body is in the nahvat and that divine mother resides there and i see the same divine mother in you the sixth dimension of seeing the divine everywhere and to cut a long story short he by the time proclaimed as an avatar and a very very excellent spiritual being he worshiped his wife 17 years younger as the this type of divine incarnation of the motherhood of the divine in what form tripura sundari shodashi it's a concept what is that concept motherhood of the divine manifesting itself softest sweetest most gracious ever forbearing ever forgiving motherhood of the divine and the holy mother says later on i don't know what happened to me i shamelessly accepted all his prayers and offerings and since then my cup of my heart is full to the brim with ecstatic divine joy all the time now dears in the modern world you hear fine spiritual giant an incarnation in his own right he brings his divine consort with him establishes her in her own glory as a motherhood of the divine and worships her as the mother of the universe and leaves her behind for 34 long years to minister his children he went away he said it's enough for me and the poor mother with all her motherliness had to face the music that her matchless husband did now dears let us then conclude this is the behavior pattern of an incarnation and that behavior pattern if you read his life his gospel you will be absolutely astounded i'll give you one small example why he said that he is an incarnation of the god not in first person singular number third person once in swamadhi he slowly says 
I am Ami Achi, typical Bengali word. I am. I have become the absolute without any adjuncts, Nirvikalpa Samadhi Bhumi, Nirakar Nirgun Nirvikalpa Brahma, have become Sagun Sakar Ishwara. I am, I have become. And the third word is absolutely thrilling. I have arrived. Ami Eshechi, Ami Achi, Ami Hoechi, Ami Eshechi. Three stages. I am the sublime without any attributes. I have become the Ishwara with absolutes. And now I have arrived in the sea. This is his own statement. And then he used to say, very late, you know, in this container, two persons exist side by side. One is the divine and the other is the devotee. And they play with each other. So, his life pattern, if you see, he has never uttered in his life the word first person, singular number of English grammar, I. That was the conviction of his oneness with his Divine Mother. Dears, I have detained you for long. Let us pray together seeking the blessings of the Divine Trinity to keep our view unobstructed and untainted so that we are blessed with the capacity of sixth dimension of understanding beyond name, beyond form, beyond qualities, beyond utilitarian value, beyond everything. Only the awareness of presence of the Divine, uppermost in our awareness, every moment of our life. This is my unending prayer for all of you. Thank you.